The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest show. As you know, the lockout is over and the Rays will have their first full workout on Tuesday. Now, I did have a chance to participate in a lot of the group media sessions with players in Port Charlotte, and I'm going to share a few relevant clips in just a moment. In addition, before the lockout ended, I did a couple of interviews in minor league camp, one with prospect Seth Johnson and another with veteran Aaron Slagers, who's now up in major league camp. We'll start, though, with some of our clips from the players on the 40-man that spoke. As we record this, there have been no additions or subtractions. And as we posted in one of our blogs, Kevin Kiermeyer, at least to this point, is relieved after what he considered a challenging time during the lockout. They were... Uh... Interesting. I mean, I knew with all the CBA stuff going on, it was going to be uh, interesting for everyone. But in, in my case personally, um, didn't know what to expect before the lockout occurred as far as, you know, maybe trade scenarios or whatnot. And then once the lockout happened, you know, I can't talk to anyone. And then when it got lifted a few days ago, uh, you know, revisited some of those conversations just to try to get clarity and, and um, you know, had a conversation with Eric Neander and he's been up front with me since the start since I've ever known him years and years ago but especially um, you know as as time has moved along things change and you know baseball is a business and if this lockout wasn't a perfect example of that um, I don't know what is but there were conversations that I love hearing where it's like hey find a place in Port Charlotte look you know because I didn't I didn't know what to do Um, Eric's like you can you can find a spot, you'll be here. So I'm happy, and, and I know that, uh, you know, these things might still come about throughout the season. Who knows? But I love it here. I wear this Tampa Bay across my chest, and I'm, I'm proud of that. I've been proud ever since I've been here. Um, this organization has gave me the world, and, and I'm forever thankful for every opportunity thrown my way. And uh, I'm, I'm so happy to be back and it, it feels great to be back. Now, regardless of what outfielders break camp with the Rays this year, I'd expect that Brett Phillips will play a larger role in 2022. Phillips had a really interesting perspective on becoming arbitration eligible for the first time in his expectations as well for this year. To say that I've played long enough in my career, you know, now this is my 11th season, that I've made it to this point, it's just is, is an awesome achievement for myself, for my family. Uh, so, but it's something to grow from. It's, it, it doesn't, I'm no longer ch- cheap, right? In a sense of like, I'm no longer in baseball world. I'm no longer a uh, league minimum type player. That's just where the reality of it. That comes with pressure to perform and produce. There's no longer a sense of, oh, we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, you still got time. You know, I'm going to be 28 years old. I still believe I have time, but it's crunch time. And that is what every single year of your career is the most important. And you now you add some external factors to it. It, it makes it more important. Brett Phillips also shared that he's reduced his body fat from 17 to 11% since last spring. And remember that last year, he also set career highs in homers, runs batted in, and games played. Certainly for Tampa Bay, though, the team's strength is on the mound, and Shane McClanahan now goes from a terrific rookie season to a second-year starter. McClanahan has made one change for 2022, and that's going from number 62 to 18. 
and he had a little fun explaining why. I'll tell you the truth, I wasn't too crazy about 62. I got that assigned to myself uh, 2020, first big league spring right. training. Right. And uh, I was like, oh. But you got to roll with it. I'm not going to, you know, I don't think a number really defines a person. I just got, eight's always been my favorite number, Cal Ripken Jr. And uh, I, I love the way he goes about his business. And uh, so, you know, 62, I was like, oh, okay, you know, six plus two is eight. And I guess that'll work with that. And that was kind of just my okay, right. getting myself to be okay right. with it. And, right. You know, you know, once 18 became available, I was like, yeah, it's a great number. You know, eight's in it, and, you know, it's, sure. I actually, I actually got a text from, our, from T-Wall, and uh, I was like, yeah, let's do it, I guess. But 62 is a great number for me. I uh, had a lot of fun wearing it, and uh, hopefully I'll have a lot of fun with 18 as well. No matter what number he wears, expectations for Shane McClanahan are pretty high this year, and each week on our Countdown to Opening Day show, we'll share full interviews with key players and coaches. The first show will air on the 19th and the 20th. Let's move now to the minor league side and introduce you to prospect Seth Johnson, who has taken a unique route to become a standout pitching prospect. Now, it's just over four years ago that Johnson began that journey, as he went from playing shortstop at Lewisburg College in North Carolina to the opportunity on the mound. That step led to a chance to pitch at Campbell University, also in North Carolina, and the Rays then drafted Seth 40th overall in 2019. After a 2020 season without games at the minor league level due to the pandemic, Johnson really took off last year, and I asked him about that stretch. Yeah, the last year has been definitely a learning process, gaining experience. Um, It's been really fun just learning the other side of the game and and getting better at it. Um, But yeah, with the Rays, it's a great time. I would imagine of all the prospects, of all the players, for you, missing the 2020 season due to COVID had to be most difficult because you're still transitioning to pitching and there's a whole year where you didn't get game action. Yeah, missing game action was definitely um, not not ideal, but I was able to be in the weight room a lot, kind of condition my arm to get used to throwing a lot and get in better shape. But, yeah, no, I mean, you can't buy experience, so that was, that was tough to, to lose that. So how much did you change physically from, let's say, the pre-COVID year to the post-COVID year? Did you add weight? Did you add – what changed about you? I did a little bit of weight, um, did a lot of mobility and getting a lot more stable, especially in, uh, like, split stance and single leg positions because when you're pitching, your legs are never together. So it was more just trying to target mobility issues and, and make those kind of my strengths now. Um, my agent runs, like, a, a facility up in Ohio – and he has a strength guy, Tyler Mitchell, who does a, a great job of doing screenings to identify weaknesses and our strengths and kind of just programming the lifts to target those and make them better. So how much did that change your stuff? Uh, how much did it translate, let's say, from where you were velocity-wise or movement or things like that pre-COVID to post-COVID? I felt like I was able to move on the mound better and more consistently. Um, I was able to throw harder for longer, which is ideal because you want to go deep into games and be able to maintain your stuff. Um, velocity and actual stuff wise I think from last year to this spring training it's actually changed more because I've actually learned how to read track man and know like what we're actually going for and how we want to how we want those pitches to look and how the shapes to look so give our fans an idea when this all started when you started pitching and where you were then and then we'll get to where you are now yeah uh I guess my first college pitching appearance was like four years ago I think two days ago actually um, I was at Lewisburg College 2018. We were playing against Catawba Valley, and I got to get an actual game. Um, but a couple weeks before that, we had an off day. A couple guys were hitting in the cage. Someone had a radar gun, and 
you know, I just wanted to see how hard I could throw, and I jumped up on the mound, and, and we liked the number. I was able to talk my way into uh, getting some innings in junior college and um, being able to get an opportunity to go pitch at Campbell for a year and then getting drafted by the Rays. It's all been it's all been kind of a whirlwind, but it's definitely fun. So the number then on the radar gun when you're just maxing out, seeing what you can do is 92 miles an hour, right? So give us a feel for what your stuff is like now on a regular basis. Now I'm a lot more consistently mid to upper 90s. I'm still trying to chase that 100 just because triple digits are pretty cool. But, um, yeah, usually mid to upper 90s now on the fastball. And I actually have a breaking ball that I know how to throw instead of just gripping and ripping and hoping for the best. Uh, it's a lot more consistent now. So is it more a slider, curveball? How would you describe the action on that pitch? And do you have a changeup too? Uh, I do not have a changeup, but I have a cutter, a slider, and a curveball now. So this offseason we kind of – I got better feel for this stuff because I knew what I was looking for after last year learning how to read the track man and stuff. So when I came up here for pins, I was able to see the track man and kind of know where we wanted it to be grouped up at. How much does that help? People talk about how good the Rays are with pitching development. How much does understanding what they're trying to do and why help you? Oh, it's huge. It's tremendous. Um, knowing why we're doing something helps you kind of buy into it and believe in what you're doing. And if you don't believe in what you're doing, it doesn't matter. But being able to read TrackMan stuff, for me, it helps me kind of just visualize it a little better, um, like what we want the pitch shape to look like and where we want it to be. And the Rays do a great job of kind of teaching, teaching what we're looking for, why we're looking for it, and all that really clicked in my head. Last year you spent the whole year in Charleston. I'm sure you would have wanted to get promoted. Everybody does. But as someone who was pitching his first full season of pro ball, did it help to be around the same environment all season long too? Yeah, it definitely did. Um, about halfway through the year, I was really able to lock in like daily processes and kind of get into my daily routine and kind of lock that down. And then further down the stretch, I was a lot more consistent. So having that consistent environment definitely helped with that. In a past podcast, I sat down with R.C. Lichtenstein, and he told me a lot about Taj Bradley and how he grew. How did you grow under him, uh, under R.C., and how, what makes him a good coach to work with? He knows how to sequence pitches better than anyone I've ever met, and he loves it too, so... Sitting by him during games, you get to hear his thoughts like in the moment, like during the game, and being able to kind of just pick up little pieces and try to transition into my game has been it's been very helpful and, and really fun to actually learn about that side of it. How does he get across messages? Like that's important too, that he can relate to you or Taj or any other pitcher in the system. Yeah, he's a great communicator. So every day after a start, um, whoever the starting pitcher was, they're getting the bucket for a BP. And he comes over there and you talk for 45 minutes to an hour about the previous performance and like what we're looking for. And he does a really good job of trying to, trying to put it in our terms or let us put it in our own terms so it uh, resonates a little bit more. I think the best thing, too, about this organization from a pitching standpoint is that it seems like all the talented pitchers work hard on their own, but they also work hard together to push one another in a good way. Who has helped you grow the most and why? Um, Ian Seymour. He kind of laid out a template for me to – for me to use my pitches and like know what counts to go with what pitch. Um, Taj Bradley, stud. So being around him and seeing how good he is, and he's super young, but he's super devoted to his own process. So seeing that's inspiring for me because now I want to stick to my processes as much as he does. Um, but yeah, we have so many good pitchers that it's like it's competitive comp- or healthy competition, excuse me. But it's never like you want someone to do bad. It's like you want them to do good and you want to do good so you can join them and, and enjoy success with them. Taj journaled. And he's continued to do that. Do you do any of that now too? Or? Um, I actually started this off season and it's helped me stay a lot more focused on like what I actually want to work on because I'm one of those people who kind of perfectionist. I do one thing and then I feel like my leg do something. I'll start focusing on that instead of just worrying about the pitch I'm throwing. So it helps me stay a lot more kind of 
focused on like the three things I really want to improve on. So I've had a really enjoyed it. So what do you want to improve on this year? If we're going from now until the end of the year, what are the like your goals, your focal points? Just one, stay healthy. It's a long season. Being able to be on the field, availability is the best ability, or whatever that saying is. Um, just kind of keep gaining game experience um, and a lot more consistency. Being able to throw a certain pitch and know what it's going to do every time, I think, is very useful. Like anytime you're on the mound, so it's definitely just gaining more consistency. You almost got what a hundred or so innings under your belt. Yes, last year is it one twenty, one thirty? Like, how do you want to hope to grow in that regard? Uh, I don't really think of like an innings limit it's more of just be ready every time it's my day to pitch and go as far as i as far as i can as far as they'll let me so i don't really have like a set inning limit it's more of just whenever they take the ball out of my hand and and you mentioned staying focused what do you like to do off the field what keeps you kind of so you're also not focusing 100 you know 24 7 on just pitching i'm pretty boring away from the field like i don't really go (laughs) i don't really go do stuff honestly um I'll play a little bit of video games. I did adopt a dog recently this offseason, so that's been giving me something to do. Um, I've been living with my girlfriend this offseason, so I'm just hanging out with her. I mean, I do kind of just sit around and wait for it, for it to be baseball time, but I do watch a lot of college baseball too, but nothing nothing super exciting away from the field. You grew up, what, in North Carolina, so what baseball was always part of your life? What, what games did you go to as a kid that got you bit by the bug? Yeah, um... I've always been a big baseball kid ever since I was like four playing t-ball. I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, I'm from just outside of Charlotte and Concord, so we had the Canapolis Intimidators, who are now the Cannonballers, uh, Charlotte Knights. So I got to see the Bulls play there. And my dad's from Durham, so he's a huge Bulls fan, which is really cool. Um, but, yeah, we would go to those games. We'd go to UNC Charlotte games, Davidson College games, kind of just any games that were close. We would just go watch them, and I always enjoyed doing that with my dad and my brother. You grew up as a shortstop before you made that move to the mound in junior college. Do you ever miss or take ground balls every now and then since all the, the hitters want to pitch every now and then too? Um, there will be sometimes in BP where I'll stand at shortstop and I see how hard the balls are coming. And I, I know my spot to get back to the outfield and let the, let the pros do their thing. Does that help to do that every now and then just to remember you don't want to show too much respect for a hitter when you're on the mound? And does having been a hitter help you pitch, do you think, just having an idea, oh, I can see what he's trying to do or what his approach is? A little bit. I wasn't a great hitter, so I didn't really have much of an approach. It's more just close my eyes and swing. But now as a pitcher, it's kind of learning the opposite side of it. It comes a lot easier than trying to react. Now I get to control and they have to react to me. Um, but I think it is good to take ground balls sometimes and just, you know, stay athletic because being athletic provides you, like, adaptability on the mound. So, yeah. You've soared up the prospects list for, for the Rays organization and getting some national recognition. What does that mean to you? It's cool. I mean, the, you know, articles don't get you paid or, the, you know, whatever the Rays' opinion is, is is the top priority for me. And I'm guessing you've enjoyed this organization a lot? Oh, it's a good time. <laughs> yeah, I really like it here. I actually moved to Port Charlotte uh, after I was drafted so I could kind of be closer. So whenever they needed me to be at the complex, I was within living distance at least. And I know you said the recognition is nice, but uh, your dog, what kind of dog do you have? She's a Catahoula Leopard mix. She's uh, four years old. Her name's Sugar, little sweetheart. She's, uh, she's a good time. She doesn't probably have any idea who's whether you're ranked or unranked. She just gives unconditional love. Yeah, that's always nice. She does love to cuddle. So she's also a great alarm clock at 7 a.m. every day. Well, hopefully she lets you sleep in after your your you, you pitch, and uh, you have a really good season. We appreciate some time on our podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me.
Good stuff from Seth Johnson, who threw 94 innings for Charleston last year, plus the postseason, and had a 288 ERA with 115 strikeouts and just 33 walks. Most now have him as a top 10 prospect in the race system and one of the better pitching prospects after Taj Bradley. Johnson is still on the way up. Aaron Slagers is hoping to get back to the big leagues. Slagers was with the Rays in 2019 and 2020, helping with the World Series run. After being traded to the Angels early last year, he eventually became a free agent during the season and then re-signed with Tampa Bay. Before the lockout ended, I asked Aaron down in Port Charlotte about being one of the older players in Rays minor league camp. They got us kind of divvied up in the way the minor league complexes work. There's there's different pods of lockers, and they put the older guys in the pod, and I was looking around, and one of the older, me and Maza, I think, were the oldest guys in the room, so that was, that was pretty interesting. But uh, to answer your question, yeah, it's, it's great to be back. It's great to see some uh, really, really great friends of mine and, and friends I've, I've uh, made that that have lasted my whole career back from 2019 when the Rays signed me, and, and this really does feel like home. And you had a choice. So last year you were with the Angels. You ended up getting a, an opportunity to rejoin the Rays. Talk us through that and why you decided to come back. Yeah, they were uh, when, when it became an option, the Rays became uh, immediate top of mind. Uh, I just love it here. Um, I've had the best best times playing and and just kind of the whole organizational philosophy just really meshes with how I love to play the game I love to uh, work hard every day and 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 I, I feel like winning winning is development and this organization is um, has really put that as, as a top priority is, is winning at every level and um, that's just that's just how I really enjoy playing the game how have they helped you grow on the mound too yeah of course that's that's the biggest thing you know of, of of course, what what gets you out of bed in the morning is is winning baseball games. But at the end of the day, like the Rays win baseball games by by instilling that every player is a priority, and that that they they've proven that to me from the top down of of the staff, and and they've shown me what what makes me successful, and and we reevaluate what makes me successful on a daily basis, and and that that kind of daily hour by hour progression is uh, really addicting as a player when when you're when you're trying to be the best you can be. Last year when you came back, if I remember right, you got dinged up a little bit toward the end of the year. How are you doing now physically? Yeah, not not a full bore. I know some of the guys are throwing live BP to hitters. I'm not quite there yet. Still playing catch, not even quite on the bullpen. Um, but as far as uh, the injury that I suffered in, in Durham in the first week of September, uh, all things considered, it's it's gone really well. The The rehab has gone really well. It's... Um, no real, no real setbacks to speak of at all, which is, as an athlete, all you can ask for. And um, it's that time of year you got to remind yourself to be patient. Uh, I won't break with the team in, in Durham, but um, to be patient and to stick with my work and my rehab and, and all things will work out. Because you, um, you speak about this organization so highly. A big part of it, too, is the training staff and the job they do. How helpful is it to be in camp and be working with such a group in terms of the way they take care of their players? Yeah, exactly. And it's and it's taking care of the players A through Z. You know, it's it's not that you're hurt, you're thrown off to the side and and when you can contribute, then we'll pay attention to you. It's it's everybody everybody's is equal equal priority of, of you know, the training staff. They're gonna help everyone not only stay healthy, but get healthy if you are injured and, and you can't as a player who's who is on the shelf currently, you just can't ask for anything more that, that other people want you to succeed as bad as you do.
you you had a lot of people who I know you seem to really click with in this organization. In terms of the staff, is Rick Knapp kind of at the top of that list along with Kyle? Yeah, for sure. Knapp and I have had a great relationship uh, back since 2019 when I was in Durham. Um, we've really just worked together on a great wavelength, and and Kyle has too. I've just it's just been a little less. Uh, a little less time with Kyle, you know, I mean, every, I've talked to Kyle about my return to throwing and my return to mounds and, and all of those, those great pitching minds. And, and they've seen what I'm going through a hundred times before, which is great, you know, as, as, uh, like I said, being injured and, and returning to throw, though this has never really happened in my career before they've seen it hundreds of times. So to lean on them and to, to talk through them of, of where I'm at and, and, and that them giving me the confidence of, hey, just stick with the program and it'll work out, you know, that giving me the, the positivity like that is huge. Players um, here speak very highly of you and the kind of person you are. In fact, I talked with Tyler last week, Tyler Zombro, and he spoke. What What is it meant to just see his journey back to the mound so quickly? Uh, it's, it's, it's nothing short of inspiring. I mean, just seeing what he went through. Um, from from an on the field standpoint from from baseball but even even off that you know like working hearing a story about about just just returning to to like conversational and and he's telling me about his writing whereas writing things down helped him um part of his therapy with with his brain injury and then to see him talk about that and then also to see him coming off the mound today and you know being his normal competitive self about you know how quick that's come along and just to cheer him on and, and support him of of like those bullpens and man it's 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 inspiring every day i think earlier you had mentioned that the rays really help you figure out or have a good sense of who individuals are who are you and what made you successful because you had some really good moments in that 2020 run to the world series that helped this team get there i think it was less about it's about like who made me successful as as it was zeroing in on that right like they're so in baseball, there's so many ancillary things. There's so much noise going around um, the game itself and what a pitcher does. There's so much noise that goes on. And to, to be able to focus on just a couple things that a pitcher can control um, and to stick to those things. You know, anyone can say, oh, throw strikes and, and you know, we're, we're, we just want you to throw strikes. But the way the Rays actually, that is what they, you know, when they tell you to do something, that's truly how they're evaluating you. There's not some moving goalpost behind the scenes. And as a player, it just gives you the confidence to truly work on those those two or three things day in and day out. And, you know, in, like you said, in 2020, it, it worked out for me. And it was the small little handful of things that the organization told me to um, be good at. And and I stayed healthy and, and trying to repeat the same uh, – result for myself and for this organization to get back to the World Series this year. So what did they simplify? How, how, what was that message that clicked for you? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's strikes. It's a first and foremost, throwing strikes, filling up the zone. And then it's, it's how you fill up the strike zone um, with my sinker and slider kind of going left to right in, inside the strike zone and getting ahead, um, as well as throwing, setting up that, that triangle of movement and throwing the four seam to the top of the zone. Like those three things, they would you know, they would just steer me towards and to lean in on those things and to not worry about all these other, you know, things out of my control, really. I mean, it's, it's, it's the, the typical baseball cliche, but when the evaluators and the, and the talent development uh, of this organization, they stick to it and they make the decisions based off it, you know, they're, it's, it's not a moving goalpost and that gives you tons of confidence as a player. An organization that 
kept it that uses analytics but kept it simple. That's right. Kept the sim- kept it simple, and then and then kept the promise of what they tell the player. You know, that's that's a huge thing of of you you promise a player one thing, and then you know that 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 may sh- the ground may shift under the player's feet throughout a season, and you know that in I, I've just noticed in the Rays that that they. They stick to the plan. And I'm not looking to knock any other organization or point them out, but it seems like you've talked, you've played for other organizations, you have friends with other organizations. It sounds like that's more uncommon than common. That's right. That's right. You know, here they, they say, you know, res- results are um, on a on a short-term basis, sometimes in baseball, out of your control. A ground ball goes away from the shift, whatever it may be. Um, you know, and, and other organizations hold results a little, a little higher than others, you know, that's all. And, and, you know, the Rays are just very process oriented process is probably the number one cliche in professional sports. But, you know, I'd say from a Rays pitching development standpoint, I mean, you can't, you can't describe it any other way. They're just obsessed with the process. I get an understanding too, that, you know, guys are happy here, but they also have to be happy outside the field. And congratulations, I know you got married this offseason. How much does that help, just the peace of mind being in a good place off the field as well as on? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, it's it's just great, you know? I mean, to to just let baseball flow and, and off the field is takes care of itself. I mean, it's just there's nothing better. I don't know, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, yeah, Courtney's, uh, Courtney's been a great... Um, kind of pillar for of me and and you know off the field and and it's it's great that that uh off the field is <laughs> sorry you caught me off balance no i threw you a change up yeah. and yeah you struggled against it were you how helpful has she been though through your rehab too to have her support in addition to the race support yeah yeah i mean you can't overstate it right i mean just just the support of of off the field and we're we're all playing baseball because we love to do it um and but sometimes things can get difficult with injuries and and to have somebody there to to um, you know, remind you of, of kind of what's important and other things that make you happy besides baseball. It can only it can only help on the field as well. And you mentioned that the winning is important. How how much? I mean, this is a franchise that won 100 games last year. It's been the playoffs three years in a row. Coming back to this organization, do you get that winning feeling regardless of how things are going with you know the other issues in, in the sport right now? Yeah, especially being at camp. I mean, I. Remind last year when I signed back with the Rays and I went to Durham, um, and then and then this year coming back to camp. You know, every time I come back to the organization, and you just watch a shortstop take ground balls, or you watch Brady Williams, the the Durham manager, hit ground balls to infielders, and you just watch the pride in the coaching staff and the players that that it may be a, a 9.30 a.m. ground ball on the mini field, but, you know, Brady's hitting a ground ball as hard as he can and the shortstop's taking as much pride as in that ground ball like it's the ninth inning of, you know, a championship game. You know, he's staying in front of it, and, and that's rare, you know, when you have that culture of of winning a 9.30 small field ground ball, you know? Like, you're, you're winning that rep, and, and it's contagious, you know, all the way from the guys who were just drafted to, you know, myself and Maza who are – older i mean it's it's contagious all the way through and they say baseball's a grind but it sounds like with that attitude it's much less of a grind regardless of the day with this group yeah that's that's a great point i mean throughout the the nine or so years that i've been a professional it's it's when you steer into the the winning that winning is important that developing is important that every day is is as important as the last then that grind kind of lightened its load if you 
if you get all negative and say, oh, let's just try to get through this, that's when the grind kind of hits you in the face. It's a little, I don't know if there's a mental psychology lesson there, but that's, that's how, I've, uh, how, how I've handled it. Well, it's great to see you back in camp. Um, congratulations on getting married this offseason. Hopefully the rehab continues to go well, and we look forward to seeing you back on the mountain games again soon. Thanks, Neil. It's always good talking to you. That's Aaron Slagers, who's working his way back from a shoulder injury. If all continues on track, Slagers is likely to throw bullpens the end of the month or early April and face hitters in early May. And at 610, Slagers really provides a unique look on the mound. He was very effective in 2020 with Tampa Bay, allowing just six runs in his final 29 innings in 2020. That's including the postseason. Thanks to Aaron Slagers and Seth Johnson for hanging out with us. And we hope you also enjoyed the clips from Kevin Kiermeyer, Brett Phillips, and Shane McClanahan. Remember, Countdown to Opening Day runs before the Rays games on Saturday and Sunday. And we'll have podcasts earlier than that if significant moves by Tampa Bay occur. Also follow at Rays Radio on Twitter as well as at Neil Solons for links to our daily blog. Thanks so much for listening, and we will chat with you soon.